He doesn't need yeah. his own well, brand. <laughs> well, pretentious is definitely the word, right? I mean, that's the... <laughs> that's the and the interesting thing about studying is like my... Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast says it's my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career from techie to CMO and trusted advisor, and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge that my guests and I have picked up along the way. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode is recorded on Friday the 24th of December. Happy holidays or happy Christmas, if that's your thing. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope that you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. If you listened last week or follow the show on Twitter, you'll know we have something different and a bit special for this week's holiday episode. An absolute gift for me, anyway, as I get to spend a whole episode in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with one guest, my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? If you're a regular listener, firstly, thank you. But also you'll know that this podcast started as a lockdown project. And over the last 85 or so episodes, Robert Rose has joined me and helped us escape. Sharing a cocktail from our Rockstar CMO virtual bar, each week he's transported us to somewhere exotic for a marketing thought. But who is this guy that's enabling me to drink quite so much gin? Robert Rose is a sought-after consultant, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and one of the world's most recognised experts in digital content strategy and marketing. Robert is the author of three best-selling books, including Killing Marketing, Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing, and Managing Content Marketing. For more than 10 years, Robert and his firm, The Content Advisory, have worked with more than 500 companies, including 15 of the Fortune 100. He has provided strategic marketing advice and counsel for global brands such as Facebook, Salesforce, NASA, CVS Health, McCormick Spices, Hewlett-Packard, Microsoft, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So it's that time of the evening on the night before Christmas to zoom out, take the me out of teams and grab a cocktail with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. It's my turn to welcome you to the bar, because at this point I normally say, what are you drinking? But this is the intro to our holiday special. How are you? I'm doing very well. I am glad to be here in the bar, and I'm actually glad to be out from behind the bar uh, <laughs> this, uh, this particular episode, and seeing all the wonderful, wonderful people here in the bar making so much noise. <laughs> I'm sure we'll step away to a quiet room. Well, it is the holiday special, so you can't Indeed. blame them for being Indeed. excited that, that we're going to be doing this. So in a slight difference to what we do normally every other week, uh, I'd, like to just, I'd like to talk about you, Robert, for a change. And um, firstly, <laughs> first question, just to keep to the vaguely to the format, we, we've been doing this cocktail thing every week uh, since episode nine, and this will be episode 94. And I've asked, I ask you about a cocktail for the week, and I always, I've been making a gin and tonic every week. I'm beginning but to think time, I may have a problem. Uh, you know, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> I don't know. I'm the one drinking gin and tonics every week. So. We may need a 12 step um, program out of this. I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah, maybe no. that's what we'll do in the new year the Robert Rose yeah. 12 step program. <laughs> so um, I'd like to ask you, I'm going to try and make it, and um, I have got more ingredients on my desktop bar than I normally have. So, what is your actual favorite cocktail that we've covered uh, over the last however many episodes it's been well here's the funny thing is and and it will you know this is going to sound like a setup given <laughs> you for your for your more frequent listeners this is going to sound uh -huh. a bit like a setup but it actually is it may not be the favorite drink like mm -hmm. ever ever in the history of all time but it's it's uh -huh. it ranks right up there like in you know the number one spot you know, as, as it comes down and, uh, you know, and it, it, I will tell you, I drink it a lot, um, uh -huh. especially on a Saturday night 
um, where I'm going out to dinner and, and those kinds of things. It is my go-to. It is my go-to. And it is a gin martini. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I am hopeful that you have the ingredients to actually make a gin martini um, in your I, little I uh, bag of tricks there. But yes, it is. it is indeed that. I do, I do. I did, I did think about what might be some common ingredients I needed. So I have some, I have some gin. I have some uh, dry uh, vermouth. I have ice. Perfect. That's the way to do olives, vermouth, you know. And oh, actually, and I had some bitters here a second ago. I've got some. I didn't know if you put bitters into yours. So I'm, I think I'm ready. So how do we make ourselves the perfect uh, dry martini? Well, the perfect dry martini, you know, I mean, as my father used to say, you know, take that vermouth bottle and just wave it over the top of the gin because that's enough. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but I actually do like a little bit, you know, so it's a very light amount of vermouth that goes into the gin, uh, into something that you will stir because as we all know, a great gin martini is always stirred, never shaken. Right. Um, and uh, that is pretty much it other than a garnish of, I like two olives in, in mind, one that I share with my wife and one that I have myself. Oh, nice. That's a romantic gesture. Well, as you heard, uh, uh, as I clanked ice into this metal, metal shaker, which I'm not going to shake, even though that would be, that would be marvelous yes. for radio. Cold, cold, uh, cold. That's what you cold, want. Cold, cold. You're looking and for I've cold, cold, cold. I've got my cold martini glass. And uh, so what do I do? Do I put the gin in first or do I put the vermouth in first? Uh, well, I've usually put the gin in first, but, the, but you know, I don't think it matters that much. Right. Um, okay. You know, if I'm completely honest, I actually mm-hmm. prefer it's, – it's a little bit like why a cup of tea always tastes better when someone else makes it for you. Um, yeah. I find that a great gin martini is always much better when someone else makes it for you. Oh, well, if I could – So I don't screen. actually – I don't, you know, when I make them myself, I sort of just hack them together and they're good. Right. But when I have them in a restaurant, which is usually where I'll have a good uh, dry mm-hmm. martini, I, I prefer to have the bartender make one for me. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to put a little bit more vermouth in than, um, than just a... I've, I've got my measure and everything. I'm doing this all professionally, if you could see what I was oh, doing. Oh, okay. All right. I've got my little measure. I've got my little... Um, shaker that i'm using to um stir things in i've put in uh some uh four measures of uh not four whole measures i've put four parts gin and i think i'm gonna put one part vermouth in is that all right or do i need another part it sounds all right all right so that's my vermouth nice big bottle brand new bottle of vermouth because i don't usually drink that now i think all of next year we're going to be drinking martinis because i need to use that <laughs> you'll need to drink that vermouth well that they sell them here in the u.s i don't know if it's the same there but they sell them here in the u.s very small bottles no uh, i've got vermouth. i'm committed to martinis now and as you can hear i'm i'm stirring this until it gets cold right yeah there you go all right and uh, I put the olives in afterwards, right? After I've sieved Indeed. this. Indeed. Usually okay, on a toothpick of some kind, yes. All right. Oh, well, I haven't got one of those. That's the only thing I don't have in my desktop. But well, I'm going to no, sieve this. Drop, drop them in, right? We're not, we're, okay. we're, not, we're not long on formality here in the bar. Okay. Okay. I'll just sieve that into, into my glass. Well, that's not... I've got a large glass. <laughs> and... Uh, mm. Maybe I could have made a larger martini there, but uh, okay, it's not going to look good in the photos. I'll just pretend to Dennis I've drunk half of it. That's what I'll do. Um, there we okay. go. Couple of olives in there. Uh, so there we go. I've 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 made a gin martini, and I'm going to take a photo of it just to prove it so that people believe me. Again, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So just take a photo of that. I'm away from the microphone now because I'm taking a photo and trying to um, hide the mess that is my desktop that isn't just my bum. Okay, so uh, let's give this a try. So th- this is yeah. an actual drink that you have actually recommended that I'm actually going to make actually properly. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
that's a little bit different to what we normally do. This interview may go slightly different. <laughs> you should drink that yeah. throughout the show, and by the time we get to the last question, it might be much more interesting. Yeah. I'm normally yeah. drinking a gin and tonic, I must admit, while we're while we're chatting. This. Whew. All right, here we go. All right, so <clears throat> that's good. Thank you very much, Robert. And what are we calling that? We, we would call that a dry martini is what we would call that, mm. and a proper martini. Mm, I could drink one of these probably once <laughs> every week. Thank you very much, Robert. Uh, and um, next part of what we normally do when we're in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, as because it started as a pandemic project and we wanted to whisk people away to somewhere nice, and we've taken the virtual Rockstar CMO bar all over the world. Um, and I want to make the caveat that this place needs to be outside California because I, I get the impression that's probably one of your favorite places in the world. But where would your favorite place to be to sip cocktails and, and uh, talk marketing? Well, if we're talking marketing, which means that we're talking business, um, I have to pick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick two, which would be New York mm -hmm. or London. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been to both frequently mm -hmm. as we've done mm -hmm. a number of episodes as we've we have. Um, we've drunk martinis in New York. We have indeed, actually, um, yeah. and and so uh, those are the two places where I would want to both sip cocktails and talk marketing because I'd love. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have such a love for both of those cities. I've missed both of them, quite frankly, because mm -hmm. I have not been in, of course, two years. But um, yeah. you know, it's uh, I, I miss both terribly, and they're both high, high, high favorites of mine. Yeah, there's something really classy about. I mean, even when it involves me. <laughs> There's something really classy about a, a nice uh, martini in a nice bar in New York, and you can't help but feel, you know, a little bit classy, a little bit special. I think, yeah, it's it's very nice. it's it's very it's 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 one of those places where you know you can have any kind of experience that you want, right? The city itself is, you know, you can have you know you can have a rough and tumble experience, or you can go all the way to the nines and just absolutely, yeah. you know, and do it up. Right. Well, I got to crack on because otherwise this this martini is going to start having its effects, and I've got to remember some questions. So <laughs> um, at this point, after we've uh, after we've discussed where we're going to be, so we're in New York, we're drinking these beautiful uh, martinis, but this time. Uh, instead of you sharing a thought with us, I wondered, as this is the holiday special, I want to share a bit about the bloke that has me drinking gin on a Friday night. <laughs> so, uh, talking about talking about marketing, what originally got you into talking about marketing? What inspired you into this game? Well, it was, you know, I, I think I'd have to go all the way back to, so I originally moved to Los Angeles after university um, and quite literally walked off the graduation stage, got in my car and left. I mean, you know, wow. and, and, and as you know, and maybe some of the audience doesn't know, I came originally from Texas. Um, and as I like saying these days, I like being from Texas. Um, and so <laughs> I moved to Los Angeles, um, because I fell in love with this city when I was here as a teenager. Um, and immediately moved out, moved in with a friend of mine to get into the rock and roll business. I was going to be a musician and that turned out about as well as you think it might. Um, and, <laughs> and so one of the things that I needed to do was to get a job to pay rent. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting a job at a TV network, uh, Showtime networks, if you're familiar. And mm -hmm. this was the early and quite frankly, wild west days of cable television so this is the early 90s um and i was in the marketing department as a junior level i mean the closest thing today would be called a you know a, a, an intern or a or an assistant um i was you know running around making copies um and eventually evolved into making presentations for the salespeople and you know working on things like CD-ROMs and all, you know, I mean, all kinds of <laughs> things in marketing. And to this day, I will say it's the best job I ever had because the people there were the most wonderful, so gracious with their time in teaching me and, you know, helping me understand and, and taught me great lessons in terms of marketing. And this is what I thought, you know, because this was really my sort of early experiences with corporate, uh, you know, marketing. And that's what I thought it was. And 
I fell in love with this practice. And so I gave myself basically my own sort of self-prescribed, you know, master's degree. I mean, I went and immersed myself and went to the library and bought books and I bought every single book I could think of in business and marketing because I'd fallen in love in love with this thing and I sort of just immersed myself in the greats and I just I fell in love even more because it sort of matched everything I wanted to do, which was I wanted to write, I wanted to create creative stuff, I wanted to think mm-hmm. about business. I I really liked the money. And yeah. uh it was what really got me into it and and that was sort of my introduction to marketing and 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 finding this thing that I've now been a fanboy of for the last 30 years. Yeah, I like I like that you're self-taught and it's also I mean we'll get onto this in a minute because I really want to talk about books but um you know it's a path you encourage as well isn't it that marketers should learn their craft and too many of us drift into this thing. So many people I talk to on this podcast never intended to be marketers they just fell into being marketers but I think it's a craft that you've got to learn isn't it? It is indeed. It it is, you know, I mean, as I've long maintained, it's an, it's both an art and a science and it is equal parts of each. And yeah. it's one of the things that I love so much about it. And when so many people fall into it, they either fall into it thinking that it's, you know, something way more creative than they used to do and they fail at the science part or they figure it's more technological and, and science oriented and fail at the creative part. And it's understanding that it is, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, and, and when you say self-taught, I, I was self-driven, I was self-directed, mm-hmm. but I was definitely not self-taught. I, I learned from the greats, right? I mean, yeah, I that's, from, a, that's a good from, distinction. From, you know, uh, you know, yeah. I learned from Drucker and Levitt and yeah, Christensen yeah. and, you know, just yeah. the, the major thinkers of, of, of marketing and marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sort of forms the backbone of my, you know, my current point of view on marketing, which yeah. is, you know, is that it is truly the most innovative part and is the function of the business. And yeah. that to me was really the, the, the sort of, the sort of core of everything. And, you know, it, it became, you know, one of those things that, you know, often gets said about marketing is it's sort of like, you know, the, you know, the joke is like, everybody has two jobs, there's in marketing or, you know, that, you know, yeah. it's what you do, you know, it's what everybody does when they don't have time to do their real job. And, you know, it, it, yeah. it it's always been sort of a, a laugh, you know, it's, oh, it, they're the keepers of the Pantone colors, you know, oh, yeah. all they do is the fluffy stuff. And that was yeah. always the, the, the reputation that marketing had in certainly when I was growing up in through it. And that's shifted a little bit as digital has become more prevalent, but it hasn't shifted a lot. It's it's still considered sort of the oh ick, you're a marketing guy. Oh, what you know, mm-hmm. what's that all about, right? And to me, in all honesty, and I mean this earnestly, I believe marketing is at the same level and should be treated at the same level as we treat, you know, medical degrees, legal degrees, you know, all of those yeah. kinds of things. It is something that you can become, you know, a truly highly skilled person at that can have great and high impact. Um, and that's, you know, that, that to me, I, I'm an unabashed fanboy of the practice and, and, yeah. and learning more about it and learning the classics has always been sort of core to what I believe. Yeah, and I and I like. I mean, the, the importance of what marketing brings, both from a society perspective, because good advertising shapes society, but also the impact that marketing makes on a business. It's it's make or break. It should be considered in the same level as you know. You wouldn't hire a CFO that didn't know anything about money, right? So yeah, it's it's that exactly same right. thing, isn't it? Your qualification. So from a qualification, and we've kind of digressed a little bit, but I'm interested in this. So people like Mark Ritson and those guys, they, they, um, they're, they, well, I mean, he's got an MBA to flog, so I guess that's why he's into that. But there are people that, that, that sort of probably feel that we should have actually got a formal education in marketing rather than teaching ourselves or, or teaching ourselves from those greats. What do you, what do you think about that these days, particularly? I mean, we're talking about quite some time ago when uh, when marketing was emerging but today do you think that marketers need to have a formal education and accreditation i you know i think it's a good thing i don't think it's a bad thing at all and i don't necessarily take any particularly more pride that i'm self-directed through yeah. my education than someone who's gone through 
a university to get it. Um, I do think in general, today's universities are not doing the business students any, you know, any real service because curriculums are woefully antiquated and woefully out of date. And, you know, there are exceptions to that, of course, which are some of the, the the more leading institutions when we when we talk about them, and certainly don't need to list them. Anybody can sort of you know figure that out. But the idea that you need some level of education, I think, is really important, and that you need to understand the classics, and you need to understand, you know, I mean, I think one of the benefits that I have in understanding marketing as I do is frankly due to the education I did get in university, which was all, you know, it was basically a liberal arts, you know, education, right? So I studied English literature. And I think there's a lot in terms of of what we're charged with these days in terms of, you know, the storytelling and the structure of the way that content is created for business that you can pull from that. So from whatever I can bring to that, I think is 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 always helpful. You know, so I think university, you know, I mean, in many ways, the, you know, that I can go off on a whole rant on this. I mean, I have a book <laughs> that I've got, you know, on my desk that I want to write about this. But in so many ways, we have forgotten that the function of a university was not to tell you what to think. It was to tell you, teach you how to think. And, you know, there are many, many reasons that that's less true these days than it is, you know, than it was when I went to university. But, um, th- to me, that's the real magic of getting that formal education is that it helps you not teach you the skills and the knowledge that can be acquired anywhere. It's the it's the how to think critically about yeah. things and bring wisdom to your job that I think it brings. So yeah. <laughs> it may be one of the few things that I actually do agree with Ritson on, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, generally speaking, you know, I I I I would agree with him. Yeah, but from uh, yeah, as a content writer and as a as a as a person that's attracted attention and used content for attention, he's 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 pretty. And, and for somebody that called content marketing bollocks, I believe um, he he does a pretty good job of content marketing, doesn't he? Yeah. With his own well, brand. <laughs> well, pretentious is definitely the word, right? I mean, that's, uh, yeah. that's the, and the interesting yeah. thing about studying that's is the like other my, thing, though. That's the other thing, which is <laughs> as important and as elevated as a skill as I put on marketing, I also yeah. don't take myself so seriously, right? Yeah. yeah In other words, yeah. I don't take myself so seriously that to say that either A, informal yeah. things that become cultural pop oriented culture in the world of marketing can't also have value, you know, that we can't also sort of find business value out of that. And two, yeah. that the value that I bring, quite frankly, is, you know, in the scheme of life, you know, there are, there are much, much more difficult jobs in the world than marketing. And, and Mm. I count my blessings and, and definitely consider myself privileged to work in the, in the, in the scope of marketing. I had a, a boss early on that used to, you know, he was a, he was a, you know, and I've told this story before, he was, uh, uh, you know, I guess the equivalent of a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL, but he was, he was an Australian and he was this, he was a head of marketing at this company. And he used to say to us all the time, it's just marketing, you know, and every (laughs) time we would fail or we would do something bad or, you know, we would do something stupid, he would always come back and go, you know, it, look, you know, it's, it's just marketing. And yeah. that's the key is that he used to swim around with a knife in his teeth and, you know, and, and shiv guys, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. this guy is so, who knows what serious is. So anytime yeah. I see anybody being pretentious about marketing, it always sort of sends yeah. me the wrong way. Cause it's like, yeah. just relax, you know, take it, take a chill yeah. pill. It's just not that important. Well, yeah. And, and, and also there's the sort of opposite view as well and, and not the opposite view to what you're saying, but the fact that if you work with smaller organizations and they're and you're helping them with their marketing it's incredibly important to them because it's a genuine investment and all that kind of good stuff and um and it, and it's a it's a vital part of their business there is no op- there's no time there to be pretentious about anything it's it's you know you you need to do the thing that works that helps this business right 
that's what I mean. Yeah, and that's yeah, exactly yeah, what exactly. I mean. Is that yeah. I don't mean to to degrade the importance of marketing as a function. What I mean to say yeah. is is that it's not so precious that we should exactly. think that we're trying to that we're actually curing yeah. cancer here, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it is it is a it is an important function to the business but if we're not enjoying it if we're not you know if this isn't something mm-hmm. that is making the world a positive place and there's laughter and love and and, and all of that mm-hmm. involved then we're doing it wrong yeah yeah my um and and back to the classic education one of my daughters is studying uh, a level our sort of pre university level um sociology and psychology and when i get to talking to her about marketing you know a lot of that stuff rings true with her and i think that i, I you know she she has a different career in mind for herself but i think that um there's so much that can be learned from different studies um that aren't classic business business school studies right that you like you did with english right that you can just that you can apply to marketing in your career if i'm making any sense at all <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, you are totally, totally making yeah. sense of it. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you do what you can, right? I mean, you know, we all, yeah. you know, so many people. Like to your earlier point, right? So many people come at this from different backgrounds. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's amazing, quite frankly, how many you know musicians actually come into the practice of. Oh marketing. wow! I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, constantly yeah. amazed at how many musicians are in yeah. the are in the practice. Yeah. And, and by the way, how many English grads, I mean, look, you know, there, there are two things you can do with an English degree, right? You can, I can teach you Chaucer or Anna Karenina, or I can, you know, I can do marketing for your business and the latter will make you money and the the former will bore you to tears, right? You know, although Anna Karenina is a, you know, anyway, I get off on a rant. I need another martini for that to go down that route. Exactly. and, um, and yeah, and all the people I talk to on here, many of, and a lot of people because of my network are in uh, marketing technology marketers and B2B marketers. And a lot of them have come from technical backgrounds. But you're absolutely right that people sort of fall into it. And they and, and it's amazing how many musicians, like people I'd never realized were. And, and some of that has come about two or three people that I've spoken to is because when you're a musician, you have to market being a musician. So they learn marketing from doing flyers for their concerts and all this kind of stuff. It, it seems like there's, if you're a creative, at some point you're going to have to try, try and sell what you're creating, right? So that puts you in that marketing space. Well, that's what I've always said to, you know, and it's, by the way, what sort of, uh, what, what sort of moved me ultimately to move out of the, the, the profession was, you know, the job of a, of a actor, the job of a musician, the job of a writer, yeah. the job yeah. of a director in the arts, yeah. it's not directing plays or writing, you know, screenplays or playing in the, you know, rock hall or, mm-hmm. you know, doing those things. The job is a sales and marketing job. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, part of the payment is in getting to perform and do the, do the love, yeah. the craft that you love. But the, the job is as sales yeah. and marketing job. And, and if you don't enjoy the product, then, you know, which I didn't, you know, I yeah. hated marketing myself. I hated, yeah. you know, going out and doing, you know, doing the schmoozing and doing the networking yeah. and doing the sales that I had to do about my own yeah. music. I just, I never felt good about it. And I recognized yeah. that if I don't feel good about it, then nobody else is going to feel good about it. And no. I'm not going to sell it very well. So I should probably do something else. Yeah, no. And um, I have, um, I'm fortunate that I, t- I talk to a lot of authors. And of course, I talk to a lot of authors because um, they're on that tour, right? They, the write, that writing is only a third of the job. The rest of it is promoting their book and trying to talk to as many people about their book and, and getting that out there. So they have to be sales and marketing of their book, even though probably at their heart, they want to be a writer. <laughs> well, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get yeah, to no. your writing in a minute. I've just uh, we're, we're um, I've, I'm only at my fourth question. So um, I first met you around 2009, 2010, I think it was, and uh, we were both speaking at various events. We'd meet a lot of these the, the same circuit over there in the US, and yeah. you were evangelizing this content marketing thing. So we've shifted forward by quite a few years. Um, so from your from your marketing career, and I know you were a CMO at one point, what inspired you to get into content marketing? Well, you know, I mean, if I were to put a spark to it, um, yeah. as a name, the spark would come from Joe's first book, Get Content, Get Customers. Um, but it was before that because... So when I became the CMO of a small little 
tiny uh, software <laughs> company that you and I both know, a company yes. called Crown Peak, which was a very early, very too early, yeah. in fact, uh, yes. software as a service, cloud-based yeah. web content management system. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and we spent more uh, time trying to sell. I mean, this is going to sound weird in 2021, oh. but we were trying to sell desperately the idea of software as a service and why that was a good yep. idea and why cloud was a good yep. idea. And, you know, yep. and in 2002, 2003, there were a lot of people who didn't believe that. Yeah. And I know that was, you, know, you spent more time selling that than you did the actual product. And so yeah. when we got our first round of uh, funding, um, they basically stacked a bunch of money on my desk and said, marketing department, go build one. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and of course the first thing I did was I said, well, one of the things that we could do is we could build a classic traditional marketing department and, mm-hmm. you know, and do that, or we could do something different. And so we ended up building ostensibly what became like a little media company inside our company. And, you know, so I hired great writers, I hired mm-hmm. you know people who could produce content. And so in, you know, in 2003 and 2004 and 2005, we had a blog, we were making white papers, um, we were, you know, doing events, we were doing webinars, we were, do, you know, we were doing all the content that we could possibly do to try and create noise for us because we were tiny and we were, and you know, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. because you were working for, uh, in this, in, in yeah. the same industry, yeah. we're competing against the vignettes and the interwovens yeah. and the Microsofts yeah. and the Hewlett Packards and all of those companies. And we were never going to win. We were never going to win in terms of brand name or those kinds of things. So we had to do something different. And so my whole theory was that if we could be a mile deeper, you know, through Mm -hmm. our content and thought leadership, that at least if we got invited to the table, that we could say, look, we're, you know, getting recognized for this. And so Mm -hmm. that was sort of the strategy. And it kind of worked. We started to grow a little bit and started to do okay. And the business was doing well and, you know, and growing. And, and that was, that was sort of my spark to say, Hey, this stuff yeah. kind of works. And then of course I met Joe and and that was sort of the, you know, the beginning of that history. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's so much in that. I, I mean, why Crown Peak didn't become the CMS that crushed it for everybody. I mean, I know you did a great job there. I'm not saying anything about that, but that being, being a SaaS so early and also, you know, chop the top of it off and you could have been headless, like with the APIs and it, and it, it just, you know, it's the very thing that everybody's banging on about right now. So, and, but back then I think open source was doing the same thing, weren't they? They were selling that and you know, there was just, and everything was on-prem. It was just, it's just too big. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wanted to go pet their box. Everybody wanted to see their server where their CMS server was. And everybody wanted to see, (laughs) you know, I mean, I mean, literally, I mean, they were, they, you know, you would have to, as part of the process, you know, this is going to sound so weird to the young folks out there that, that sort of grew up (laughs) in in past, but you and I remember a day that when they would buy an enterprise piece of software, the other thing you had to go procure for them was a server or two or five depending on what yeah. your, you know, and so you had, yeah. you know, you had your, your, your deals with Microsoft Sun. or Sun mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. those folks who were providing for hardware. And then you Absolutely. would send a few guys out and you would, they would go into their data center and install the software and spend a whole week yeah. there getting things up and running. And it's just like, Oh, good yeah, Lord. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was such a <laughs> well, that's how I started my career. I, I was a supply, I was in supply chain software and I would go around implementing on-premise software uh, and doing testing of the performance and making sure that the right patches and all that stuff. And, oh yeah, it's uh, uh, days that have gone basically, I think, I Indeed. think there's a lot of on-premise, on-premise left anymore. So, um, so that's what lit your fire with the content. And what was that original book from Joe? Because I, I've got a couple of Joe's books, but I don't know whether I've got the, the, the original Oracle then, it sounds like. What was the one that got you going? It was a, it's entitled Get Content, Get Customers. Um, wow. And uh, he, he wrote that in 2007, I think. Um, uh, and, and the funny thing is, is he talked about this idea of content marketing um, and in it, uh, Newt Barrett, by the way, is his co-author on that. Um, uh-huh. and it was a really good book. Um, and when I saw the words content marketing, the first thing I did, uh, was I went out and registered 
because I recognized no. that it was exactly what we were doing. I went out and registered contentmarketing.com um, and, and and I owned contentmarketing.com for, for you know a good wow. number of years. Unfortunately for me, because I'm an idiot, uh-huh. um, I did it under the company Crown Peak. So Crown Peak actually owned the uh, the URL of contentmarketing.com and subsequently yeah. sold it, you know, in 2009, I think they sold it. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm, I am, um, yeah, I, I registered Rockstar CMOs myself, so there we go. <laughs> but the, there you I, go. I, I, actually, I did a similar thing and this is a bit of a digression is Forrester started talking about persuasive content. I don't know if you remember, probably about the same sort of time yeah, where these of sort of tectonic plates were forming and i did exactly the same thing so i registered um persuasive content uh, the url and uh, grabbed all of the urls thinking that if forrester was saying it, it's going to be big and i even tried to create the wikipedia entry for persuasive content and then it just all died <laughs> do you remember do you remember when um do you remember when forrester came out with the uh, adaptive marketing uh, <laughs> I actually I went out and registered Adaptive Marketer and Adaptive. Wow. I still own those domains. I, that I did yeah. personally. So I still have Adaptive Marketing and AdaptiveMarketer.com. Well, I still own Persuasive Content if anybody's interested. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I renew it all the time. I'm like, one day this will return. But yeah, and the analyst, uh, I can't remember which analyst it was over at Forrester, but he, he chortled at me doing all of this stuff. But, and, right, exactly. Um, it, never, it never quite made it. But um, so speaking of books, in 2011, you published your first book with Joe Polizzi, Managing Content Marketing, which I genuinely is never far from my desk. And I know that you described it when we chatted a couple of weeks ago, you described it as a bit dated, but I still like it. Um, Now, we could talk about the book, but what I'm interested in, because I think a lot of marketers, as we were talking about just now about writers, uh, they harbor an ambition to write a book. How was it writing that first book? It was great, um, you know. We, well, I, and and here's why um, it was great uh, was because it was uh, we we had to. It was a sprint, um, and the reason it was a sprint was because so Joe and I we got together in 2008 and started working mm-hmm. on uh, or late 2008, so really 2009, let's call it, and started working on Content Marketing Institute. And, you know, so that was, and so in 2010, things were humming along and basically Joe said, Hey, I want to do an event and I want to do an event in September of 2011. And that's going to be our first content marketing world. And he said, I think we should have a book. And so this is late 2010 when he's telling, we're having this conversation. (laughs) And so in other words, you work backwards from September of 2011 to have mm-hmm. an actual physical hard copy of a book and you go, okay, well then the book needs to be done in March. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in order for the book to be done in March and we were in November of 2010, it was like we were already way late. And so oh we basically outlined it, got it together. And yeah. I just basically gave up my Saturdays for the next three months and yeah. just, you know, just heads down and, and put it together. And honestly, it was that deadline that sort of made it. I, you know, I wish I'd had that kind of deadline on other books because yeah. it it pushes you. It really pushes you. So yeah. it was a it was a great experience. It was also my favorite editing experience um, because the folks who edited it, which were, by the way, Newt Barrett, um, who was Joe's co-author mm-hmm. on Get Content Get Customers, mm-hmm. was one of the editors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had uh, another editor. Uh, Lisa Burton Beats, who edited it, and both of them really pushed us on our thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And that is something I didn't have with some of the other subsequent books. Was really mm-hmm. like not just you know fixing the grammar and the typos, but 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 also really pushing the thinking. And and so yeah. I loved that process. It was a great process. I, I uh, there's so much now that I wish the book had. You know mm-hmm. that I think the weakness of the book is due in large part to how fast we had to get it out and we wanted to get it out. So I think it's, you know, I mean, literally it's short, it's tiny, it's a tiny little book. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it's, it, it it addresses the, you know, it's to me, it's a very surface level Mm. exploration of content marketing, but it's what we had at the time. It's what we, you know, it's what we had at the time and it's what we get out. 
Well, Joe's recently done a new version of Content Inc., which I've got behind me. I've got the original behind me at the moment. Um, have you ever been tempted to revisit it? Or is that have, an unfair question? I have many times. <laughs> I have many, many times been tempted to do a second edition, but it yeah. would almost be a, a, a reboot or a, um, you know, yeah. you know, l- l- almost literally like a, you know, like a Star Trek reboot, right? Where you just reboot, you know, it's the same title, but yeah. it's an, inc- you know, it's yeah, what because it's changed so much in yeah. 10 years. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, I have a nice soft spot in my heart for that book, but I cringe a little yeah. when I read some of the stuff in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons in there, especially if people are starting out personally, um, just to, to get a grounding on some of the stuff and some of the stuff about writing about the hero's journey and those kinds of things. I think you can, you can get back into it. There's still, good stuff in there. There's absolutely so, good yeah. stuff in there, but it's yeah. not detailed enough. It's not, you know, it, no, it doesn't, okay. I mean, this is my own critique of my own book, but, but basically yeah, the, yeah. the the challenge I have with it is that it's, it's, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not managing content marketing, right? It is the appropriate title for that book should be what is content marketing. Right, right, right. So that's a good, I mean, it's a, it's a primer, I think is American. Yeah, say, it's exactly some right. Some of those concepts. Um, it's a primer and, for um, sure. Yeah, and I think that um, one, you know, we we'd met, spent some time together at these events and stuff, and you got your book. And I think that then um, you did some education with a team that I had back then, and um, I think many of the things you talk about in the book were part of that curriculum. But um, we, I think I was early in my, I, I was making the transition from product marketing to actual marketing, or I was making the transition from being a product guy, being a technical guy, to being product marketing, doing marketing. And you recommended a bunch of books. Uh, to me and the team that probably kicked off my marketing library that if we had video on, people could see behind me. Um, and it includes, and I have to mention this because I know you will, if I ask you, uh, Marketing Myopia by Theodore Levitt that I also love and I refer to all the time. And you drop it into conversation quite a lot. And why is that particular book so important? Well, you know, so... Uh... So Marketing Myopia is not actually a book. It's a white paper for, for, for all intents and purposes. Um, I've got it and, in book form. And it's yeah, it is. It does book. come in book form. <laughs> it, it, does, it does actually come in a, you know, when you buy it from, I think it's from Harvard, uh, Harvard yeah. Press. Um, yeah. They put it out because it is such a, you know, it's a keystone work for, for, yeah. for marketing. Um, and it's a lovely I'm not little just saying thing. that you know, as yeah. a fanboy of, of Theodore Levitt, but, yeah. but certainly yeah. as I think anybody would agree that it's, a, it's, it has become, I mean, it is, it is literally the, you know, the origin, you know, sort of, uh, you know, stone, if you will, of mm. the jobs to be done framework to design thinking to, uh, you know, to all of the things that are, that are now the start with why, right. With Simon Sinek, mm. is that's, that's yeah. jobs to be done. And that's, you know, it's, it's all about, yeah. Um, all of that stuff comes from Theodore Levitt sort of asking the questions that he was asking in his, in, in that marketing myopia. And it was all around, you know, what business are you really in and, mm-hmm. and, under, and really understanding that. And so I, I think it's, it, it's truly, you know, I mean, he takes entire industries to task in that book and that paper yeah. and, in, you know, and again, it's not long. It's not. It's not. No, a, it's not a long. It's book, very easy the read. Yeah. Is, the, the big idea yeah. in that book is so important for businesses, yeah. and it's just been something that has withstood the test of time. Um, yeah. And m- most all of his thinking withstands the test of time. So yeah. that's why it's such an important part of. Yeah. No. Uh, I, 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 it, I, is, I it is ultimately the core. The core of what we do, right? Understanding yeah. what you're really doing. Absolutely. And um, I remember a little pack of books that I bought at the same time based on your recommendations. And if I recall correctly, it also includes Different by Young Me Moon, which is an amazing book as well. Amazing. And of course, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, which everybody knows that we've... Less people know about Different, I think, by Young Me Moon. But there is some nice writing about um, uh, being different, I think, that's, that uh, there's quite a few books now about being different. Um, so... Uh, are you still recommending those same marketing books to people or is there a new set of books that, that you're recommending to the Robert Rose potagers these days? You know, I mean, well, I mean, I would still stand by my original list, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, which includes different by young me moon. I mean, young me moon has gone on to do amazing things. Also, I mean, what you'll notice, I mean, you know, admittedly transparently, I guess, is mm-hmm. that I have absolutely an affinity for the Harvard business school. 
Um, right. Because most of my true sort of, you know, my mentors from a teaching perspective all come out of that sort of yeah. that, that sort of, you know, that, that area of Harvard business school, young me moon being no exception to that. She's a Harvard business professor. Right. Um, you know, and of course, Clayton Christensen and yeah. by the way, Theodore Levitt and, you know, so, yeah. um, but you know, so Rita Gunter McGrath is someone that I'm a huge fan of and she has a number of books that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I recommend these days, uh, mm -hmm. from a business strategy perspective, the end of competitive advantage is her book that I, that I absolutely love. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then she's got a few others that are, that are, that are, uh, amazing as well. So she's probably highest on the list in terms of mm -hmm. the books that I think there haven't been, interestingly enough, um, a lot of books recently that I have been really, you know, really like just over the moon about. Right. Yeah. Um, the one that I'm trying to think of right now from Rita Gunter McGrath is a book called seeing around corners. It's a fantastic book, um, wow. in terms of business strategy and, and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I'm writing notes. I have not. Way. Yeah. I have not really, uh, gosh, I just haven't been blown away by a business book in a long time. I'll put it that. And I still read a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I read a lot of them, but I've been, you know, honestly, mostly disappointed with business books uh, over the last couple of years, you know, because most of them, wow. quite frankly, should just be white papers. I mean, they're not yeah. books. They're just, you know, it's it's 40 pages of interesting ideas and then 60 pages yeah. of people who are kind of doing what you're talking about. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, yeah, yeah oh, I get it. Right. You know, and, and it, yeah. you know, and the framework that is pitched usually is some sort of you know, aggregation of something else and something else. You know what I mean? It's like, you yeah. know, oh, it's the next version of this or it's the, you know, evolved mm -hmm. version of that, you know, and it's, yeah. and, you know, it's, and it all goes back to, you know, whether it's, you know, one-to-one -one marketing or, yeah. you know, those you know, personalization, you know, all the personalization books yeah. are, you know, you can, all you need to do is go back and read one-to-one -one marketing or, um, <laughs> you know, or, or any of the, uh, the early nineties books. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I have, and you're good to go. I have one to a marketing. I actually not literally hit somebody over the head with it, but hit, the, hit them over the head with it, which is like, you know, somebody was, um, yeah, having, having some kind of online span. It's like, look, dude, <laughs> you know, this is, this is your history. This is it. Uh, yeah, right. Here. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. What's, um, and just to finish, I mean, just to finish talking about books, um, and you taught me a lot about storytelling. In fact, um, when I was flirting with some creative writing, you suggested to me um, the book about writing a premise line. And you also recommended a book to me uh, that was written by the guy that writes the Disney stories or comes out of Disney. There's a oh, number yeah. Books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's two. That's, those are two fairly recent ones. Yeah, those, those, are, those yeah, are great books. Yeah. 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 And um but um so you've obviously got a bit of creative writing inside you and your co conspirator or co whatever you'd like to describe Joe Polizzi has um has published a fiction book. Um have you ever been tempted to do that? Uh you mean a, a new book with Joe? No, no. I mean write your own fiction book. I mean you've clearly oh, been inspired no. by fiction and you've got that classical no, education no. of you no? No, I, 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 I don't have any, I mean, it's not never say never. Right. But I don't, yeah. I certainly don't have any aspirations to do that at all. All right. Okay. Well, that conversation died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, tempted. Yes. But, all right. So but, uh, in, in the, the plans, no, no, I don't have, right. I don't have, look, here's the thing. I know what writing a novel entails um, mm -hmm. to me. I mean, other people, yeah you know, may feel like, and I, this is not, a, yeah. I'm not sort of, you know, sort of yeah. obfuscating or, or, or trying to be, you know, a little opaque around Joe's book. Cause yeah. I thought Joe's book was great. Um, oh, I love it. a yeah. lot of people think you can just sort of bang out a novel and, and sort of, you know, yeah. just, you know, you write 300 pages around a story and the way you go, I've had, you know, to my misfortune, probably I've had enough storytelling structure, education right. banged into me 
that I understand that it's more than that. It's you to to yeah. write a, the great American novel is yeah. one of the hardest things, if not the hardest things, in yeah. creative writing to do. Right, and Same. you know, it's just I I don't have that in me. I don't have that level of work, nor do I really want to. But you know, but tempted, sure, tempted. Anything you know, no, I'm uh, not, no. So it's it's one of those things, I guess, which is uh, is where ignorance is bliss, right? That people can bowl into this thing and produce. Um, uh, I don't know that that some some perfectly reasonable story on some pages that's wrapped in a book that a few people buy, but you're you know too much that that wouldn't be good enough for you. Right, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, not it's not good enough to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I should then. I mean, you just hinted at that. Was uh, any plans to write something with Jeff? Well, yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I I I definitely have a business book or five uh-huh. <laughs> that I want to write, whether any yeah. of those come with Joe, I don't, I don't yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah. No, I um, yes. you know, it's, it's so, it, you know, I, I probably not um, only because Joe is off on something that is a grand adventure that I'm mm-hmm. definitely yes. sort of parallel to, but certainly not yeah. in the same vein. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's off on a, on a big adventure and I'm off on a big adventure as well. I'm sticking with yeah. the enterprise side oh. of things. And so I do have lots of yeah. ideas for books that I have sitting on my desktop waiting for me to write them and nice. definitely yeah. finding the time to do so. Yeah. And people, I mean, I'm, I always talk about your podcast and anyway, this old marketing with you and Joe and, and people should listen because you learn about both of those projects. And I think you're going to announce something quite interesting in the new year, which I'm excited to hear about. And Joe's obviously off doing his tilt thing. So enough about um, books, back to content marketing. And I've, I've realized the time, so I don't know how much time you've got left, Robert, before you have to disappear and do some work. But um, it's over a decade or so since you and Joe first floated this idea around about content marketing. What state is content marketing in now and what direction do you think it's going to be taking in 22? Uh, you know, I think the state of content marketing in 20 at the end of 2021, as we go into 2022 mm-hmm. is strong, yeah. um, is, you know, is really good. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, I think in so many ways, what we've seen come out of the pandemic and, and all of the events of 2020 and 2021 have been sort of a, a re-emphasis on the need for great content-driven experiences that drives value for our consumers. And so yeah. we're busier than ever, um, yeah. you know, and looking at content marketing as a thing. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I think in many ways, our predictions that it's becoming just a core piece of a marketing strategy are coming true. You know, it's, yeah. you know, the term is less separated now than it is just from good marketing strategy. You know, so yeah. how are you including editorial in a good, you know, as part of a marketing mm. mix, um, which is fine by me, you know, as the, as we've always yeah. said, the practice is more important than the name. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, I, I think we're in a very, very strong state for 2022, you know, all things being equal, right? You know, I mean, what mm. I think we've also learned from 2020 and 2021 is that, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know <laughs> what the hell's going yeah. on, but, yeah. um, you know, assuming yeah. good things, I see nothing but good yeah. things for content marketing. Do you remember them years when we used to know what was going on? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right, mate. So a uh, final question that I ask all the guests on the show, as you know, and you're, you're familiar with the regular feature that we call the Rockstar CMO Swim Pool, our portal to hell for all the snake oil, BS and overhyped trends that plague this marketing craft we love. What would you throw into the Rockstar CMO pool? You know, I'm, uh, at this point, I would throw organic social media into the rock star CMO pool. Uh, it's died um, of its I own accord though, isn't it? it? I mean, it's like, it is very hard. Uh, yeah. and, and so it is, um, you know, so I think anything we're doing at social media now is, you know, other than how we're helping service customers, you know, in, yeah. in a particular way as a marketing and audience building uh, organic social media, I think is, you know, anybody who believes they're building a community on Facebook or building a community, you know, and of Mm. course I know there are exceptions to this rule, but generally speaking, if you haven't already done it, it's not going to happen for you. Um, and so I, I think given where we are with the toxicity of, of social media right now with the algorithms and the ability for organic reach, I think it's just, you know, it's not a good place. 
Uh, and it's it's a shame because um, we've been talking about like 2009, 2010, which is when I joined Twitter. And um, I can genuinely say that I create we we were in, we were part of a community back then, and that um, and I actually got a job through it. Right, I got known as yeah. a, a content management person, and I got a job as an analyst um, through 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 that community that we built back then. But I don't, I can't see how people are doing that right now. Yeah, exactly. It's, you just get lost. Yeah. Oh well, that's that's sad. So organic social media has, has gone. We'll go into the pool. Uh, and um, so uh, we 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 close as usual. So when people want to get to know you a bit better than they will have in the last fifty odd minutes of us chatting, where will they find uh, your writing, Robert? They'll find us on uh, you know Content Marketing Institute. They'll find me on ContentAdvisory.net. And uh-huh. of course, if they look around the social media channels, uh, I publish a lot on LinkedIn, trying for that organic reach, right? I haven't thrown it into the <laughs> pool just yet, <laughs> but I do like connecting on LinkedIn because it is, it is a nice way to keep up with uh, what's going on in the world. All right. And I've got a bonus question this time because Norm, because I've dedicated the whole episode to you. I didn't, that sound, that sounded strange immediately after it came out of my mouth. It dedicated <laughs> the whole, like, like I'd bestowed something upon you. It's only my, it, I mean, it's just marketing, right? It's just rockstar CMO. But yeah. um, normally uh, every week I play a track. Um, and so, uh, or at least enough of a track that I hope I won't get sued. Uh, what track gets your marketing mojo working that I should, drop in drop as we leave the bar well you know i think my favorite one of my favorite songs in the whole wide world is it's a song that i play every time i'm feeling down or feeling mm-hmm. any in any way it just it just pumps me up it's bad man's yeah. song by tears for fears splendid splendid love a bit of tears for fears and they're from this side of the atlantic so very excited about that and from our era i would say Robert, without <laughs> denigrating it so so i'll play out with that and shall i see you in the bar next week uh, of course you will media. thank you very much uh, see you then thanks robert thanks for your time right. today and uh, have a very merry christmas or happy holidays whichever is your you too there we go that was bad man's song by tears for fears from the 1989 album the seeds of love maybe not one of their most well-known tracks but a splendid track all the same thank you to robert for that and a splendid conversation hope you enjoyed it i certainly did and if you want more of this robert will be back in the rockstar cmo bar in the new year if you have any feedback for either of us cocktails we should drink places we should go or topics to discuss hit us up on rockstar cmo on twitter or linkedin So that's a wrap on episode 94 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Robert for joining me and please follow him. Say hello, check out his work and I'll put links to him and all the things we discussed in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm where you can also find all our previous episodes. So... Does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let us know. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. And as it's the season of goodwill, why not drop a nice rating or review in your favourite podcast app? Or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. 
Next week, back on our normal Saturday, I'll be reflecting back on the year, but it's not all reruns as I'm really looking forward to chatting with Jason Falls, digital marketing thought leader and author of Wimfluence. And I'll be sharing some exciting plans for this podcast in 2022. Until then, have a happy Christmas, enjoy the holidays, stay safe, and I hope you join us here again next week on Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.